We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. Coming to you after... A really, really disappointing Giants loss. I mean, listen, if you go into Chicago against the Bears team that just, like, not good at all. This Bears team has been miserable this year. They have one of the worst O-lines in the NFL. Injuries all across their defense. Some of their best players are not in this game. A backup quarterback and Andy Dalton who, you know, Giants fans and Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman and John Mara alike all praised the franchise for beating last year in that week 17 game against the Cowboys. One of the most Bollywood wins I've ever seen, considering it meant literally nothing. And the Cowboys had four offensive line starters out and weren't playing for anything. And Andy Dalton was terrible. This ain't no great quarterback. And Dalton didn't look good today. And the Giants were hapless, man. I mean, wow. Like we can talk about them getting blown out and not even being in the game against the Chargers and Cowboys. Well, at least those teams are playoff teams. The same can be said about the Eagles, though. I think they're a fake playoff team that just benefited from an easy schedule. But when you do this against the Bears, 29-3, to you come out, you don't throw the ball for more than what was it? I think they had 10 yards passing to end the game, and then it was by design, according to the coach. Joe Judge said after the game, this was by design. We wanted to run the ball. Well, guess what? They ran for over 100 yards of Saquon Barkley, over five yards of carry for Barkley, or about five yards of carry. What does it get you? Three points. These are limitations of a run-based offense. You can't win a game if that's your game plan. Your game plan is to come out and say, we're just going to run the hell out of the ball and not pass at all, and that's by design. Well, guess what? I got a little I got a little surprise for you, Joe Judge. You're not winning many games in this league, and you're certainly not winning any that have any significance or importance. If you want to come out here and say this is all we can do, that's fine, but he didn't say that. In the presser, he said, no, that's not why we came out with this game plan. It's not because we felt like that's all we can do and we can't do anything in the passing game. He said it felt like it gave us the best chance to win. So ultimately, it didn't because they ran the ball pretty well in this game, and they were completely out of this game. So, Nick, there's a lot to talk about on this podcast unrelated to this game. I want to talk to you about Joe Judge's press conference, which has caught fire in the last hour or so. He went on a 10-minute rant to end it. 
said a lot of interesting things there that I want to get your take on. I also want to talk about Scott Simonson tweeting out tonight. Listen, whistleblower Scott Simonson, former tight end, talking about Dave Gettleman and how he is not the good guy he's made out to be. So now we already know he's an unbelievably bad general manager, someone who's disgraced this franchise, brought them to the ultimate low that they're at this season, despite being gifted the second, the sixth, and the, and we want to get into this, the second, the sixth, and the fourth overall picks in every class, trading for first rounders, trading players like Beckham, using every goddamn cap dollar in the in the world, three free agent spending sprees. We know how pathetic he's been and the damage he's done and will continue to do because this damage will continue over into next season. We know that, but now we hear from Scott Simonson. He's not even that good of a guy. He kind of dicked him over for less words. And you could read Scott Simonson's words instead of mine. He deleted one of the tweets, the descriptive one, but basically he basically, you know, misdiagnosed his injury. One of the trainers and Dave Gettleman, who had information that was misdiagnosed, according to Simonson, just cut him anyway, put him on the street and said, good luck. In six weeks, you'll be out of the boot. And since then, you know, he hasn't been able to get tryouts and it kind of derailed his entire career. We heard Steve Smith from the Carolina Panthers and multiple Carolina Panthers, bad mouth Dave Gettleman. We just laughed it off. We just said, ah, whatever, bitter. They're bitter, right? No, they're not bitter, okay? No, this might not be the greatest guy in the world off the field. It doesn't certainly seem like it. And that was disgraceful. We can talk a little bit more about that, Nick. But let's start with, I guess, the game, man. What did you think of this game plan to come out and just run the hell out of the ball and try to win a game? Well, if they ran the football and didn't make the mistakes trying to pass the football, then running the football may have been their best chance of winning the football game. Because I don't know what Freddie Kitchens was attempting to do by lining up an empty formation on the first snap of the game. And there is the end man on the line of scrimmage on defense who was just not accounted for in the five-man blocking package from the New York Giants. That guy's not disguised. He's Everyone knows he's coming. And he just runs in unabated at Mike Lennon, <laughs> nails him, and then they almost get a touchdown out of it. Leads to an easy David Montgomery touchdown. But all of those early mistakes from the Giants were all from the passing game. On the next drive, there was an interception on the on the tip slant to Kenny Galladay that was taken back for a while. So I actually think Joe Judge was right. the The best way for the Giants to win this football game was to run the football because they had success doing that. But all of their mistakes came from when they had tried to pass the football. And I just don't know what Freddie Kitchens was doing on that first play. That was that was a terrible decision by the offensive coordinator. The first play is a good example of where this offense is at and kind of some of the stuff we touched on with Carl Banks and Bob Papa, you know, just the dysfunction from just the simple standpoints of it, where guys lined up, you know, minute, mis- making mistakes that shouldn't be made, attention to detail type mistakes. That's fair, but... You know, I don't I don't agree with you, man. I don't think that they could have just ran the ball every play and won this game. I don't think you could do that. The Belichick did it once in the last 20 years or 25 years. It worked once. Well, it worked in a game where winds were howling and the Bills missed the 30 yard chip shot field goal because of the win. That would have given them we're a chance not saying to win. run the ball every time, but you have a much more run oriented approach with Mike Glennon as your How much more run oriented can it get, though, Nick? They threw the ball 11 times. On the 18 dropbacks, there were four sacks, two interceptions, and two strip fumbles. They couldn't do anything throwing the ball. I mean, do you want Mike Glennon dropping back, passing the football? That's where all their mistakes came. If you want to keep trying to do that, you're going to have more mistakes. I think running the football Actually, is the way. I, 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 I can see your point. Mike Glennon at quarterback, dude. 
I, I, I do see your point, but I also feel like Mike Glennon put together two competitive games for the Jaguars last year, one where they literally almost upset the the Vikings. I just I just think part of this is goes beyond Glennon, like the name Mike Glennon. I think part of this is the dysfunction of the passing game, thanks to the coaches and thanks to the players and thanks to the preparation and thanks to the mental mistakes and thanks to getting little details wrong. Like there should be ways against the beat up Bears defense to generate some yardage with Kenny Galladay. And with Evan Ingram on the field, there just should be some ways to generate some kind of offense. And a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it came down to the protection, though, man. The protection just was not holding up. Robert Quinn was yeah, winning but, the edge. Gibson was just bending the edge really well. Had those two strip sacks. The the protection just overall from the New York Giants has just been straight ass. Yeah, no, no, they're not defending it, and I'm not defending. I just know that you know, if you run the ball every play, you have no chance to really win a football game, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, they ran the ball 40 times and they had 11 passes and they lost 29 to three. And I know that a lot of those points, like you just mentioned, it's fair, came off their turnovers that were based on the passing game. But this just can't be a game plan in the modern NFL. I get it. You have Mike Glennon. You're trying to think of something. But man, oh, man, I watched Mike Glennon two games last year where he kept them competitive on a Jaguars team that had same kind of offensive line problems. Literally no Galladay or Ingram out there because they had nothing from an offensive skill down standpoint besides James Robinson, really. Um, and a bad defense, much worse than the Giants. And and they moved the ball a little bit, and they were somewhat competitive. I think he had seven touchdowns to five interceptions last year with the Jaguars, and I get it. There's all these other issues, but, man, I don't know if I can agree with Judge in, in saying that, look, we did things right. We, we made our mistakes when we started to pass the ball. Like, you just can't expect to win football games like this. They they, they average, you know, they average four yards per carry, the Giants, with 4.9 yards per carry with Barkley. And what did, that, what did they have to show? A 26-point loss. So, yeah. and they, three points on offense. Yeah, no, it's it's literally one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. It has to be. It has to be the worst. Is this the worst offense you've – it's certainly the worst Giants offense I've ever watched. And that yeah. question would be, is it the worst overall offense in this? In, well, let's just say the last four weeks, like since Daniel Jones got hurt. Oh, that yeah, that's what we're going with. And you yeah. know what? This speaks somewhat volumes about Daniel Jones. And now the offense wasn't great with Daniel Jones. Don't get me wrong. But Daniel Jones was able to mask some of the, the stench around the protection sure. and just the offense in general, even though it still wasn't a great product overall. But now with Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm with that duo behind this offensive <laughs> line, it's it's horrendous. Like I'm trying to think Crazy. of an offense that is worse than than this one. Like the Jets last year, no. Like think about the Giants offense last year. We railed the Giants offense last year. Dude, I would sign up for that offense any day of the week right now, Dan. I mean, they average like 17 points a game. I think this Giants offense, they average 16, I think, going into this week. So now you drop that significantly after they scored another whopping three points right here. They ran the ball consistently last year. Now, in this game, Saquon Barkley broke 100 yards for the first time all season. You know, that's awesome. But last season, they were able to establish the run and actually win football games in that manner, despite the fact that they had an inept passing attack. Now they have an inept passing attack, but they don't consistently establish the run. There's anything positive we can take away from this, which there really isn't because yes, they ran for over a hundred yards, but like you said, they scored three freaking points. doesn't really matter. Now there were a lot of other things that went into the fact that they only scored three points and the Bears scored 29. But when you, at the end of the day, you look at this team, this Giants team with this offense cannot be competitive. I don't think they could beat any team in the NFL right now. Yeah. This was a clear example that they can't beat any team in the NFL. I mean, look, this Bears team, we're not we're not looking at this Bears team like, oh, they've been a little unlucky. They're a good team. No, no, no. This is a horrific team, this Bears team, and they're injured. So it's not like they're healthy. And they got blown out by them. It's a clear sign they can't beat anyone. 
Um, like you said, this might be the worst offense we've ever watched. It's truly amazing that it's gotten to this point. And I do agree with you, you know, relatively speaking, it shows what Daniel Jones meant to this offense. And I think the key thing is what you said. It just feels like the offense was in better spots with Jones. It feels like they were more organized with Jones. They had less of these stupid mistakes with Jones, less of these like, you know, minutia detail type mistakes. Now let's keep it in mind. Let's keep it in context. They were still what, like the 30th ranked offense with Jones. And I still average like 16, 17 points a game with Jones. They weren't scoring with Jones. They weren't good in the red zone. They were horrific in the red zone, horrific on third down, horrific in fourth quarter drive situations. I mean, you look at, I posted a stat the other day, Eli Manning was like top 20 in fourth quarter, uh, you know, expected, you know, over expectation drives. It was a cool little stat that somebody put together over the last 20 years of quarterbacks. Eli was top 24, but you could even argue he deserves to be better because he had like four times as many drives as some of those guys who were ahead of him. But Daniel Jones was in the, was just, was 99, just above a hundred. Like he has not been a good take you back out of a game quarterback. And that's supposed to be what he's supposed to do. Like he doesn't do much else good in the rest of the game. So he's supposed to at least have that in him. He didn't have that in him this year. So relatively speaking, I'll say it's looked better than it, you know, it could possibly look with these two quarterbacks. And it does go to show like, at least at the very least, Daniel Jones is a competent quarterback who would be an amazing backup and maybe kind of what we've seen from him as a starter. Now he could be better as a starter. Obviously, if you put all this stuff around him, if you find a way to miracle a team around him, like you find five great offensive linemen, you get all these healthy receivers and depth. Yeah. Like he can look good and better than what he's looked. But I mean, it just goes to show how, how hard it is to find these quarterbacks and how much they mean, right? Like, you know, these quarterbacks are freaking everything. Like just the difference between Jones and what we're seeing now. And Jones wasn't even playing good football for the Giants and hasn't been for quite some time since his rookie year. If we're being honest about the situation, especially over like a long sample size, right? Like over, you know, he has had some flashes, the Saints game, whatever. But over like an eight straight game sample size, he obviously hasn't been good since his rookie year. Some would even argue he wasn't even that good then. The advanced stats are not good for his rookie year. And he didn't have many strong stretches in a row. But it just goes to show, like, when you turn to this level quarterback, the Glennon Fromms of the world, this is how bad it could be, and this is how much these quarterbacks mean, right? Like, they're they're literally everything at this point in my mind. What's going on, everyone? Football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then Please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. They are. They are. And that's, you know, one way to attempt to upgrade the Giants, as we've said on this podcast, is to upgrade the quarterback position. But you need to focus on that offensive line, man. You can't put a Russ Wilson behind this offensive line and expect him to live because this offensive line is the root problem of the Giants, which speaks volumes because, as we brought up so many times on this podcast, Dan, Dave Gettleman's whole mantra coming in to being the general manager of the New York football Giants was, we are going to get the hag mileys to fix the offensive line and look at where we're at right now. Yep, you're right. And he did say, you know, someone just floated around a video from from earlier, uh, you know, from him having the day three of the draft. Like, look, we're obviously a lot more confident in our offensive line than you are. And it's just crazy that we could be at where we're at now. You know, just, even if you give him all the credit in the world and say, look, he got dealt such a bad hand due to the injuries, which is bullshit to begin with. But even if you do give him that, it's still his fault for not putting any depth pieces in there. And it's still the coach's fault for not developing any of these depth pieces. There's really been no progression with anyone on this line except for Andrew Thomas. And I'm not crediting that to the coaches. I'm crediting that to Andrew Thomas himself, personally. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think that's fair, too, because Andrew Thomas, you know, all the reports say that, like, he worked his ass off all right. offseason to get better. Exactly. And we didn't hear that from – I mean, we did hear that from Will Hernandez's of the world. We heard that from all of them. The offseason puff pieces are there, but, you know, yeah. obviously it doesn't show up on the field for players like Hernandez, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. And Hernandez, I mean, honestly, in this game, I didn't see as many glaring mistakes, but we'll get into that on the uh, all 22 film. But <laughs> Nate Solder, welcome back to the uh, starting lineup, man. That's a that's a disaster right there. Yeah, he won't be in the NFL next year. No one will sign him. That's just it's kind of another sign of where the giant, you know, just where they were at this offseason from an evaluation standpoint. They did evaluate him to be worthy of not cutting. And worthy of putting that void year on. So, by the way, when they cut him next year, they're going to have more dead cap somehow associated to this. This is the contract that never ends and never stops. Signed in 2018, bleeding all the way into 2022 offseason, just based on the fact that they thought he could be a competent swing tackle. Like, swing tackle is a big position. It's a huge position on an NFL roster. It's one of the most important positions that never gets talked about. They went into this year thinking a guy who is so bad he won't be signed by anyone next year and shouldn't be signed by anyone. Could play the role. 
And then they made him starter because the other guy who they drafted, you know, late third round, they thought could miracle his way into a starting position in year two, despite them seeing him in practice every day, knowing he didn't have the dog in him. And yet somehow, and, and still having the technical, it's, it's just crazy. I can't even like put my hand. I can't wrap my head around their approach on the offensive line, their self-evaluation of the offensive line and everything that's gone into where the offensive line is at. Now I cannot wrap my hand around it because this was supposed to be a regime that puts O-line first. And that's the craziest part to me, but you know, there's no, there's no use right now. It's crying over spilled milk. Let's try to look forward, Nick. Let's try to think about things that might affect the 2022 Giants. One of those might be if Coach Joe Judge is retained, if the Giants do bring back Joe Judge. Now, it's been viewed as a guarantee, a definite, until today. Some, you know, murmurs are starting to come up, and rightfully so, right? I mean, this team has been not, like, this is hard to say this team is, quote-unquote, fighting for every yard with this coach right now. I get it. The offense is the functional, but, like, Again, Mike Glennon was somewhat competitive last year for those shitty Jaguars. All right. Davis Mills competitive. Like it's not, it just can't just be the giants who are allowed to just have this excuse of, of injuries to their quarterbacks. And we've had all these other quarterbacks get injured this year. And people have had to turn to the Tyler Huntley's of the world. Davis Mills is of the world. All these idiot quarterbacks, right? Garrett Gilbert started a game that a team was competitive in for the first half. And so when it's this wholly uncompetitive in my mind, at least Nick, I think that's what makes it for a tough argument for me to believe that this team is really super into these games right now and not just kind of ready to turn the page on the 2021 season. But you're starting to get the feel a little bit that Joe Judge is not a guarantee right now to come back to the Giants as the head coach next season. And why do you feel that way? Well, some people were taken aback by his press conference today after the game. I mean, he ended it with a 10 minute long winded rant where he said a lot of stuff, Nick. Let's get let's get into some of that. Let's get into some of that I, I, before we get into the details and the minutia and kind of like some of the little things he said that stood out to me from that presser. Nick, I was curious to get your take on just the overall press conference from Judge and, and you know, your thoughts on what he said. Yeah, it was really raw. It was a, it was a very raw press conference from Coach Judge. He, he ended up saying a lot and expressing his overall views on on how he feels about the the team and the foundation of the culture that is being built right now. And I didn't hate it as much, I feel like, as as everybody on Twitter did. And I know the comments like that, yeah, I have a lot of people on the phone, uh, you know, wanting to come back, even though they're getting paid more. Like, I'm trying to think of who that he might be referencing. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson comes to mind. That's probably a player that, that may fit into that criteria. But... At the end of the day, man, this is a results-oriented business, and we as fans, and he would be the first to say this because Joe Judge has said this several times, like about, and he said it throughout this presser how he is open to the criticism and he deserves the criticism because they're not winning. <clears throat> excuse me, because they're not winning football games. I think that the product right now is just terrible. It's terrible. Nobody wants to hear about the foundation being set. And I know the question that he was asked was. Why do you deserve to be retained? And he, what else is he going to say? You know, I thought it was a very raw statement from Judge. It was very long-winded. Uh, I like the fact that he, you know, wore his emotions on the sleeve. I, I didn't hate it probably as much as everyone else did, if if I'm going to be honest. And that's probably my main takeaway. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, I didn't hate it as much as everyone else. Did. I think a lot of the hate surrounding it is just kind of where the fan base is at right now. Overall, there's a lot of hate going around. There's a lot of rightfully so fans who are tired and fed up with the with with the losing and with the uncompetitiveness 
I didn't hate it. I just found it weird, I guess, is how I would what I would say about it, Nick. I mean, the discussion about former players calling him up twice a week, telling him they wish they were here. That was an odd thing to say. Um, I thought it was odd that he said this isn't a clown show organization and then mentioned no fistfights on our sidelines. Mentioned, you know, a reference clearly to what we saw two Sunday nights ago or one Sunday night ago with the Washington football team against the Dallas Cowboys, a Washington football team that has won more games in both seasons that Joe Judge has been here with, quite honestly, an obviously less talented roster, one that hasn't had the luxury of the second, the fourth, the sixth overall pick and spending sprees in three of the last four off seasons. So that I didn't really love him pointing to that team as some kind of clown show organization. He talked about the no golf clubs in the locker room thing. Now that, brings up a point how like you know supposedly golden tate at the end of the 2019 season had golf clubs by his locker room at the end kind of signifying or signifying that like this season's over we don't care i'm going golfing that's what i'm focused on and he, you know i believe him on that one that the players were rubbed the wrong way some of the players the ones they want in the building were rubbed the wrong way by that and he's saying you know we don't see that this season there's none of that that's all good and well dude but like look the fans don't care if you're these guys are have golf clubs by their locker room. I mean, what they want to see is a football game that they can get excited about. Like if you're facing the Bears, not a good example, but if you're facing the Cowboys, the Cowboys are, let's say, in a position to win the division or and get like a bye. They want a team that can go out there and maybe upset them like the Jets did today against the Bucks. Yeah, the Jets lost the game, but they came close to upsetting them. It was a fight till the end, and the Jets led for a lot of that game, and they were almost shocking the Bucks. That's what the fans want. They don't care about these golf club stories and how other former players are supposedly calling him up and telling him, telling him that he wishes that they wish that they were still playing for the Giants. But like the idea that these guys are calling him up and being like, God, Joe, I I really wish I was on this four and 11 team that's going to Chicago and losing 29 to three, man. I just can't believe how good I had it there. It just it just was weird to me, man. Like, I just felt like it was odd some of the things he was saying. So I guess that would be my main takeaway was bizarre. Yeah, that that part is definitely bizarre. And I, I get the essence of what he's trying to say. It's like we built such like a family environment here that people want to come and play with us. But you're right, man. Like who the heck really wants to come and play for a team as abysmal as the New York Giants? And I also there was also a little shot at Pat Shermer there as well. Like when you're talking about, you know, Golden Tate having those golf clubs outside. Right. That's that's a shot at Pat Shermer right there. You know, your, your team basically tapped out on you. At that point, nobody's tapping out here, despite the fact that we suck. And it's uh, he's trying. And, you know, I, I think it could also be interpreted as a, as a coach who is desperate to keep his job as well. I could definitely see why it would be interpreted that way. You know, he comes from a very winning type of organization in the New England Patriots. And, you know, they have a certain culture there. And he's trying to sell that culture to John Mara right now to extend his stay here. Because what did we say, Dan? Uh, earlier in the year when the Giants, you know, looked like they were going to suck. Daniel Jones was still healthy, though. We were still evaluating him. And, you know, we were like, yeah, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but we'll see how they finish the season. Dave Gettleman will be gone, but Joe Judge will probably be there unless everything falls off the wagon. Everything just goes to crap. Well, everything went to crap. So now I think the Giants are in a position where they have a difficult decision to make. And it seems like you know, by reports from Adam Schefter and everything that Joe Judge is going to be retained. It's like, well, you want to make that decision, you know, three with three weeks left in the season. I like like he supposedly did because everything has fallen off right now. And I'm not saying to fire Judge. I'm not completely out on Judge. I um, 
I would like to have a better product out there. I don't know if the team has quit on him because I haven't necessarily seen that when I watch the film. I just think they're horrendous. I think the offense is horrendous. I think the setup of the offense is horrendous. I think the fact that Freddie Kitchens, like I brought up a couple podcasts ago, Freddie Kitchens is calling Jason Garrett's offense, really holds them back. Plus, you couple that with no Daniel Jones. You couple that with Jake Fromm, Mike Glennon, and then just a terrible offensive line. It's going to lead to just this offense that is one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. So I, I think that's a, just a gigantic issue with everything that's going on with the Giants right now. But I don't necessarily know if they've quit. Yeah, I don't think they quit on this guy either. I just don't know if necessarily they're just dying to play for this the rest yeah, of the yeah. season. It's just more of that. Like, And, you know, I like what Joe Judge said about – I do like what Joe Judge said about, um, you know, he's not going to go up there and, and call out players to help him look better so he can try to save his job. I like yeah. that he's not thinking in ter those terms. Like, I need to save my job, and so one way to do that is to throw some of these guys under the bus because, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, some would say, but he's not viewing it like that. He is more patient with it. And he said, behind closed doors, I'll tell them what they're not doing right and what needs to be fixed and what they should be held accountable for. That's all good and well. Like, that, you know, I can get behind him on that, but again, it just seems bizarre because it's missing the point. Like the fans aren't worried about those kinds of things right now. The fans aren't saying like, we want you to put the players on blast. The fans are saying we want a better product. We want to be in a jets bucks type game at some point. And I get it. Like, again, they had, a, they have a competent quarterback in Zach Wilson. Glennon's not competent, I guess. But again, Glennon was decently competent for the Jags last year. Like it can't just always be the giants that just have every excuse in the book for why everything is wrong. It just it just can't continue to be that way. If we just be this team of excuses and we'll always have some excuse and nothing will ever be right until we have the perfect roster. It just doesn't sound like a long term plan to me that has any chance of working. I know like excuses just don't seem great. And I'm not saying Joe Judge is making these excuses or trying to make these excuses, but you hear them a lot for why things are going so wrong with the team with a player here or there. Maybe that'd be the quarterback or with a head coach, whether that be Judge. And it just, it's tough. It's tough for the fans, I think, to get behind at this point. And you could tell the frustration's boiling over. Like you said, a lot of people took this presser the wrong way and were really, really, you know, out on Judge after this, I guess they would say. I'm, I'm still kind of with you. Uh, I'm not fully out on Judge, but I could care less if they fire him, too. I guess that's where I'm at, Nick, to be completely honest. I don't totally see a great long-term future with this guy. Um, I don't really love turning it over. It's very hard to find coaches in the NFL. Very, very hard. I mean, unbelievably hard in my mind. The Giants are going to go probably 0 for 3 on their last three choices unless Joe Judge bounces back. And so it's not like they can just find someone better in my mind, definitely better. But I'm wondering if they, if it's not, you know, if it's almost like a deep by default, improved by default. So for me, it's not like I'm, you know, going to the bat to keep this guy, but man, oh man, I just feel like when you, when you have that type of presser, you're going to, you know, with this fan base, like, and where they're at right now, the frustration level higher than it's been in forever because quite frankly this is worse than 2017 and that's the other thing nick like in 2017 it was all well and good like we know what's going to happen he lost the locker room this is a total disaster it's a circus in the media mcadoo's fired the same things are going on now with the giants to a large degree i mean i guess with the exception of the locker room stuff though we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes there just what we hear and there's not as much talk of, you know, he's going to be fired. It was the opposite. Two weeks ago, we heard he's definitely coming back. So I think that's kind of where the root of frustration is right now with the fans. Yeah, I mean, the, the 2017 one was just so uh, particular because the Eli Manning situation. 
with Geno Smith in Oakland. And that like that whole thing was just like right. a stain on on the New York Giants and on John Mara, which led to the firing of uh, Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo. Whereas right now, Daniel Jones, the starting quarterback, is not there. And they, they have the excuses of injuries, but everybody has injuries. Like, let's not get that wrong. And I think another thing that goes in Joe Judge's favor is the fact that Dave Gettleman did such a terrible job. And Dave Gettleman did not give this offensive line any depth. So Joe Judge can at least, he's never going to say it because he wouldn't throw Dave Gettleman under the bus. But people can look at the situation and be like, well, maybe if the guy had an offensive line, he would trust his quarterback to throw the football a little bit more or something along those lines. And I think maybe that goes into his favor as well. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Scotty Simonson tweets. Scotty Simonson, former Giants tight end for, for a quick minute there. Um so he deleted well, some Scott Simonson, my friend. Aren't you being presumptuous now? I'm sorry. Aren't you being presumptuous now? Isn't it just Scott Simonson? Well, guess what, Nick? On his Twitter, <laughs> it's Scotty Symes. Ah, ah, you got so, me. Unfortunately, I nailed this one in a rare win for me. But <laughs> let me tell you, he deleted one of his tweets, which was the most descriptive. So it's I don't have a screenshot of it, unfortunately. And I, I like to tweet with it, but it's now deleted. So I can just read what he has still up there. The tweet he deleted was kind of the details of his injury. The giant, you know, called out. It was three straight tweets where he called out uh, Dr. Rodeo, who might be a doctor for the Giants. I think that was the name he used, Rodeo. Um, and just misdiagnosed him on an injury. And so kind of, and then the Giants kind of threw him to the curb. He said, Dave Gettleman is an atrocious general manager and not a good person. The fact that he's had this much time, to not be good at his job while deciding others' fates and indebting one of the most historically respected franchises is embarrassing and also a strong example of karma existing. He said, in relation to this tweet blowing up, I'll clarify that my opinion is from being misled about the severity of an ankle injury, not given any details, being released on the settlement on a settlement of a basic injury, so not the severity of the injury. So basically, the Giants essentially, Dave Gettleman, what he's, what he's accusing Gettleman and the Giants of is, Claiming the injury was was ba you know simple. They basically told him, "Look, from what I remember from the deleted tweet, they basically told him, look, you'll you'll have six weeks in a boot and you'll be out and you'll be fine.'" When meanwhile, it was a really bad injury that's impacted his whole career. And then he found said, "I found out later they knew the extent of the injury." And he said, "These are all things that he, that I that he specifically played a role in." Dave Gettleman. So that's a massive accusation. He then said, "To be clear." I don't think it was intentional. I was a career black backup player on a minimum salary. I was an important piece of the machine. So when I got damaged, I was simply removed from place. But I'm not saying it was on purpose. It's just how the NFL works sometimes. So a lot, a lot to take in there. What were your thoughts on all that? Well, if it was on purpose, like that's what I thought from his initial tweets. But I didn't know the that he said that last part that you just mentioned. If it was on purpose and Dave Gettleman was like, yeah, well, we know this guy is really injured, but we're just going to release him with this because it's cheaper for us. Well, that's just a bad guy move. There's no other way to qualify that. It's just bad guy stuff. But I don't know if that's the case. So I don't know exactly how to take away from that. It's not a good look. And you know what? The Giants haven't had a lot of good looks recently. I mean, have you looked at the product on the field? Have you went on Giants Twitter? <laughs> see the PR guy arguing with a former scout? I mean, this is just, it, it's a straight dumpster fire. Just an it's just a, one of the biggest dumpster fires that we've seen from an NFL franchise. It really is. And this is the New York Giants, not the Jets. It's the Giants right now. Now, the Jaguars have had their dumpster fire right now. They got rid of their dumpster fire in Urban Meyer. The Giants right now, they still have the dumpster fires burning. 
and it's burning through week 18 right now, man. And it needs to be extinguished and we need to get to the all season. We need to get to the draft because the giants have two first round picks and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about the off season. I can't wait to talk about the draft, the new general manager, you know, maybe even a new head coach. Um, but I'm really excited for sure to talk about all that. I did want to get to one more thing. Joe judge said in his presser, he talked about in 2018, he was on the Patriots staff. The Patriots started the year one and two. Um, and then they won six straight games. And he talked about, you know, I've been part of teams in other places. And I'm not trying to say, you know, he said, and I'm not trying to say this place is anywhere else, but lessons I've learned, let me tell you something. All right. In 2018, I was part of a team who halfway through the season, we were pretty convinced we were getting fired. We didn't think we were going to make the playoffs and no concept of winning anytime soon was coming. We just showed up and kept improving to to work or improving to work week after week and on the outside we were all terrible but we didn't care about any of that noise on the outside we didn't care about that at all so i think he's kind of trying to say like look we need to kind of tune out the outside that's how the patriots have done it and that's why the patriots have been able to kind of you know steer their ship through the storm you know when it's like this which i get to some extent, but it's like, it's not a great comparison. The Patriots had not many storms. Like this shit storm that the Giants are on now for the last five years is not really, cannot really be compared to, in any degree to anything that the Patriots have gone through. Yeah. I, uh, when I listened to that, I also was like, wait, wait what, what exactly is he talking about? Like when they <laughs> about to be fired? Like I was really, um, I, that was one part where I really kind of was like, man, what you talking about, you know? Because uh, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that 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 was going to happen to the New England Patriots who are, you know, the bastion of success in the National Football League and the New York Giants are just not that whatsoever right now. So that was definitely an awkward one. I mean, he, he relies heavily on that Patriot past and he brings it up a lot. And, you know, that's all well and good. And, and I think that's, you know, one of the best places you can come from as a coach. But, man, he did not bring the winning over because this team is not winning and it's not all judges fault. I think we have to, you know, like lay that out there. I think that's a truth, but at the same time, and he said this in his presser too, he's like, I'm the head guy, you know, I, I take blame for this and he has to shoulder the blame of this just pathetic New York giants team. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, so that's all I got tonight out of this game. I want to talk a little bit with you about the Simons and stuff about the judge presser. There's, you know, we could talk about Lorenzo Carter with another sack, things like that, but we'll get to that. Um, the all 22. And again, it'll be probably just a one episode, all 22, you know, a little abbreviated. We know not many people are tuning in as much for that. And we get it. This is not, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here with this 29, three loss, but anything else you wanted to add from this game, just, or just overall disappointment you wanted to get off your chest. How'd you like the uh, Tate Crowder interception on David Montgomery? <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Montgomery had his one chance to throw a touchdown pass to a big boy. And yeah, you know he wanted it. And it would have been Cole Komet's first touchdown of the season. The guy doesn't wow. have a touchdown yet this season. And Tate Crowder, your boy, ends up intercepting it. But no, man, I mean, this is – it's depressing, dude. It's a, it's a crappy product, and Giant fans deserve better. And uh, I, I really appreciate everybody who tunes into this podcast and listens to Dan and myself – talk about this just terrible product and we hope that things will be better through the offseason and into next year and this Giants team and John Mara and Steve Tisch will turn this boat around because it's I don't know if it can get lower and we say that after every week though yeah I mean look we we have fun regardless me and Nick and we love the interaction we have with you guys some of you guys are so loyal and it's so fun you reach out to us on Twitter you get involved in all the inside jokes but it's not as fun when they're like this. It's really, it's hard. It's really hard to watch this team. It's hard to evaluate this team. It's hard to want to watch the All-22. 
and have any kind of interest in anything like that. And so thank you for tuning in through this, but we, we hope we don't have to do this for much longer. And I hope this is actually the worst season that we'll ever cover the giants for. And I think it could be Nick, um, obviously the, you know, they they've lost similar amount of games ever since we covered it, I believe, or close to it, but it hasn't felt this hapless. I don't think at any point since we started this, um, which is crazy. Cause we, I mean, you didn't go into it with this, but I went into this thinking, convincing myself they could win 10 or 11 games. I really thought the offense was going to take a big jump and I was pretty excited about the defense, but you know, this is where we're at. So we'll see what happens. You know, there's still a long way to go at worst case scenario. The giants have two first round picks and then another third round pick in the top hundred they get from the dolphins and then their third round pick and then a fourth round pick. That's going to be, you know, decent pick too. So like, at the very least, because that's coming from the Bears, by the way. So at the very least, they get the fourth from the Bears, right? Is it the fourth or the fifth? I believe it's the fourth. The fourth, it's the fourth so, round pick. It's a fourth yep. round pick. It's a fourth round pick. So. Kansas City's fifth. There you go. So they have a lot of picks. If they can get the right guy to make those picks, and they can have like a 2017, or I'm sorry, 2007-like class, things can change. It can get better fast. It can. I mean... I'm at the point where I'm probably thinking that I won't be fooled again. It's like it's like the Who song, we won't get fooled again. But um, I'm not going to probably predict 10 or 11 wins, but I just want the good times to come, and they'll roll in at some point, Nick, right? Like, we got we to think positively. Yeah, let's try to do that. <laughs> let's try to think, do our best thing positive. All right, thanks to everybody tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.